us. Give us insight. Give us wisdom and encourage, encouragement rather for the journey. Be with our preacher, our pastor today. Open his eyes. Open his heart. And then give us the ears to hear what your spirit has to say to the church. Oh, how we love Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done. Receive us now. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Wow, how about that music ministry? My God, my God. I knew they could sing, but they went to a whole nother level today. We love you, choir. Thank you for your commitment. You may be here today and you say, Pastor, I want to sing. Well, come on out on Wednesday night after Bible study. We want to see you, amen. There's room. We'll knock out a wall if we need to make more room, all right? Amen. Today I want to begin a four-week series, a stewardship series. I'm going to take a break from our journey through the book of Acts. And I want to talk about the anatomy of a five-star church. Over the next four weeks, the anatomy of a five-star church. So if you have your Bibles today, won't you come go with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be in this book, not in any particular order. But over the next four weeks, I want to look at the anatomy of a five-star church. I believe that's what God is calling us to be and do in a dark and wicked day. Philippians chapter 4. Verses 15 through 20. I want to welcome all our first-time visitors to the New Beginnings Community Church. We are an expository teaching and preaching church. And that means we believe in preaching through the entire book of the Bible. Books and chapters at a time. Family, comma by comma and line. So if you're looking for a Bible-believing teaching church where you can understand the word and you want to grow thereby, come on and join us. We've got room for you. Amen? Amen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 15. If you've got to say, I'm ready, Reverend. I'm ready, Reverend. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but rather I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. And indeed I have all and abound. I'm full. Having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you which was a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice that was well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. 
Amen. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Look at somebody, just look at them in the eye, say, Neighbor, oh, neighbor, my pastor, gonna talk about the anatomy of a five star church. And this is only part one. Amen. You may be seated. Two weeks ago, New Beginnings, Sister Wilson and I celebrated our 24th wedding anniversary. Hallelujah to me. Amen. And we stayed in this amazing, wonderful hotel. Reverend Brown, it was a place of elegance, hospitality, superb service. Brother Parker, they had world-class treatment for their customers. Some say it was a five-star hotel. And I noticed that the people in this hotel were people who served us with a different kind of service. Uh, they were pleasant service. They were productive. They were proud. And they believed in the place that they were working in. The members of this organization, Reverend Chong, had purpose, priorities, and permission to accommodate us in every need. It was a five-star hotel. Leave him alone, Roy. Roy, leave him alone. He okay. He gonna walk around. He in the Lord's house. We got him. Amen. They looked beyond serving themselves and looked intently at serving their guests. Y'all catch that right there? It was almost as if they had a calling to do what they were doing. It looked like they were motivated to serve other people. And guess what? I didn't see a boss on the floor bossing them around, making them smile at people, making them say good morning, or making them say thank you for staying here. No, they had a five-star attitude because it was a five-star hotel. Y'all in here with me? They treated me like I mattered. And that stewardship was at the top of their priority. And today I want to look at Paul's letter with a stewardship lens. Because I believe that the Philippian church had what my hotel had. It had a ministry of stewardship. Which made it a ministry of excellence. Now according to this letter, the Philippians were pleasant, productive, and a proud congregation who was happy to be in a place where whose members rather had purpose, priority, and permission to accommodate others in a five-star manner. I'm going somewhere. Stay with me, y'all. And hidden within this text, we can see the anatomy of the Philippian church and what made her an excellent ministry in a dark and in a dying world. This word anatomy, it comes from a specific branch of science that is solely concerned with the bodily structure 
of living organisms. So to look at the anatomy of a living organism, like the church of Philippi, we want to dissect and separate certain parts of her ministry so that we can discern what a church like that really look like. Y'all gonna help me here? So over the next four weeks, family, I want you to see what made her function in the manner that she did. I want to discover her ministry secrets. I want to uncover her ministry motives. I want to know what made her behave like she did. And I want to know what drove her to love one another just like she did. Over the next four weeks, I'm going to dig for her treasures to spread them before our eyes so that we can embark on this journey of stewardship. And we too can become this five-star ministry that takes joy in serving, saving, sending, and submitting to the Savior. Y'all gonna help me work? I just dumped a whole lot on you, but stay in here with me, amen? The notes will be on the website right after this. In fact, Dina might have them up there already. Let's look at the first point, the spirit of the church. The text says, now, you Philippians, you know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from you, from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving but you only can I open that for you when we come to this portion of the text we see that Paul is directly speaking to the church reminding them of what took place when he left their presence he says in the beginning of the gospel or in other words according to Paul as he left to start another mission we learn that they didn't stop their mission or ministry to him are you with me here as Paul left Macedonia and went to another city to plant another church the church of Philippi kept on with the work of giving can I say some more? The next thing I see that even though Paul planted churches, we see he was rarely supported by the churches that he planted. But this church, Philippi, had a unique spirit about her. And that she was, yes, uh, moved by God to be a giving and ascending church. Mm, that's good news right there. See, this church was concerned about lost people. And she wanted them to have a chance to hear the gospel. So she gave. Reverend Tom talked about that this morning. She gave for the work of the ministry. Can I say it again? She was concerned about lost people, and her concern about lost people motivated her to give. It wasn't all about her. Tell your neighbor, it ain't all about you. It ain't all about you. 
this church was willing to support Paul as he continued the work of starting sister churches. And so they demonstrated her, her love for God and for him by supporting, sharing, and giving to the work to advance the kingdom of God on earth. What a picture of her anatomy. As a living organism, she had the DNA of love flowing through her. Ask your neighbor, what's in your wallet? New beginnings? I believe we can learn from this church today. I believe that we can duplicate these elements that are found in Philippians. I believe that our DNA ought to be just like theirs. And so it's my prayer that we too can become a church that's concerned about lost people. Just like we talked about in the What We Believe conference today, God loves sinners. And God is concerned about lost people going to hell. Can I turn the light on right there? I think if we had the opportunity to eavesdrop on the meeting in heaven today, on the docket would be how many people is the church saving today? I believe new beginnings that we too can give for the work of the ministry. Everybody can. And it's my prayer that this sermon series would help us to understand that the church that demonstrates her love by supporting, sharing, and giving to the work will be the church that advances the kingdom of God on earth. Can I get a witness? Well, let's look at point number two, the sacrifice of the church. Verse 16, Paul says, For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Notice this. When we come to this church, when we come to this verse, while laboring to plant the church in another city, he was still supported by the contributions from Philippi. In other words, they didn't believe in out of sight, out of mind. No, their giving to Paul was shown even after he left the area. Well again, what a picture, Lori, of their anatomy. As a living organism, and the church is a living organism, she also had a DNA of missions. Y'all catch that right there? The church was motivated and made up with love, and in their DNA was missions. So this church was a missional church. It was a church with a vision to support missionaries. This church was kingdom focused and that she demonstrated her passion for Christ through giving to others so that others might get to know him. Can I make it even plainer? Dries, your daughter, they sacrificed so that the work could go forth in other places. I'm messing with, I'm messing with selfish people today. The Philippians gave up some stuff so other people could hear what they heard and have their lives change. Uh, they, they, they sacrificed so the message could be preached. They sacrificed because they believed in the word of the Lord. 
uh, Brother Jameson, they were a community of givers, a community of givers, so that the church could advance its way in the earth. You know, ain't nothing selfish about being a five-star church. Can I help you here? If we just going to still be about ourselves, uh, me, myself, and no more, amen, your church ain't going to grow. Tell somebody, you the church. And if you ain't trying to help nobody else get in, you won't be a member number one. Am I talking to you today? No, because I believe that we can learn from this church today, the Philippians. I believe we can learn, Brother Dixon, about the elements that are found in this church. See, in order to have a five-star ministry, it calls for sacrifice. In order uh, to have a five-star ministry, you can't be selfish. In order to have a five-star ministry, uh, your, your people have to long to see God being made known in the regions of the world. In order to have a five-star ministry, your church has to have a call to follow Christ in the ministry of sacrifice. I know that ain't popular in North America because everything about our culture teaches us about you get your own, amen, and get all you can get and put it in a can and then sit on the can, amen. But that's not so in the upside-down kingdom. Jesus has the upside-down kingdom, and everything in the upside-down kingdom says that everything God gives you belongs to God, and the more you give away, the more other people can get in. Am I making sense right there? Well, let's look at the third point, the sincerity in the church. The sincerity in the church. Paul says this in verse 17. I find this very powerful. He says, Angela, it's not that I seek the gift from their offering. I wasn't looking to get their offering, but I seek the fruit. You see that there? That abounds to your account. If you're in here, lean in and say, I got you, Reverend. When we come here, Brother Anthony, we discover in this portion of their anatomy what a real leader ought to look like. A real leader in a church that has the anatomy like this is a leader that's not selfish. It's a leader that's not self-serving and a leader that ain't self-absorbed. I'm just talking what about what I'm talking about. The apostle here is not looking for the money. It ain't about him. He trying to pad his own pockets. He trying to be a pastor with Bentleys and, and, and Rolls Royces. Come on, talk to me, y'all. And jets and helicopters. No, he's about their fruit. Uh, I got excited in there. I thought y'all get excited too. Huh? In other words, the apostle's not asking or looking for money, but sharing simply a secret for his motives in church leadership. Okay, let me press on it some more. Here he is literally encouraging them by reminding them of the deposit. Y'all in here? That they have placed in the bank of heaven. He's telling them where their money is going. Can I say some more? He's talking about the fruit of their ministry.
spirit. See, every time you give, there's some fruit that are bound to your ministry. And Paul is saying, I'm not looking for your money, but I'm looking for the fruit that's coming as a result of your giving. <laughs> I almost feel like doing a James Brown right there. Make me want to holler, amen. Some of y'all still ain't convinced, so let me press my case. Let me make my argument. Because they gave to the work of the kingdom, they had the fruit of the spirit accounted to their service. Okay? A picture of their anatomy here is that they not only had the DNA of love and missions, but they have in their leadership the DNA of humility. So, the Philippians, yes, here it is, in their bank account in glory, <laughs> had acquired much fruit. Are you with me here? And one day, when they stood before the king of glory, the corporate church account was going to be read. Can I wrestle right here for a minute? Paul oftentimes talks about the kingdom in these ways. He talks about when we get there, we will have to give a personal account for the deeds done in the body. But then sometimes he talks about a corporate presentation where the body of Christ stands together and has to give an account for the things done in the church. Are you with me here? So then it makes sense that when you become a member of a local church and that church is involved corporately with advancing the kingdom that there will be rewards in heaven for the congregation. Are you in here with me? When I look at this, it makes me happy and nervous. Why, Pastor? Our corporate account in glory will have a ledger of new beginnings that declares what we thought about God. This is one of those sermons where everybody got to pull their own weight, man. <laughs> Our account in glory, brothers and sisters, will declare what we spend our resources on. Our account in glory will declare, Brother Nichols, what was important to us on earth. For where your treasure is, your heart is also. Our account in glory as a church, brothers and sisters, will reveal where our true treasures lie. Our account in glory will say how this church obeyed or did not obey the word of the Lord. Paul is able to rejoice because the Philippians' account was popping. Yeah, they was way in the black. Come on, talk to me. On their giving. In New Beginnings, I'm concerned for us today. Because some of us have yet not grasped 
That's a kind way for saying have not obeyed in the ministry of stewardship. And as a result, you keep the ledger of the church in the red. Which hinders us from advancing the ball up the field. Am I making sense there? Let me give you the fourth point. I'm almost through. The satisfaction of the church. Paul says in verse 18, but I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable and well-pleasing to God. When I come to this portion of the text, Paul seems to express his gratitude of being completely satisfied by what the church had done. Boy, as a pastor, I want to get there. Well, you was just so pleased and satisfied with all that God's people are doing for the kingdom. See, according to this text, the minister lacked in no area. According to the text, yes, the preaching was strengthened because they gave. According to the text, the gospel was preached in power and in gratitude because they gave. According to the text, the messenger had shelter, food, clothing, and the tools to work with. Because the Philippian church gave while he was on the mission field preaching somewhere else. Am I making sense there? That's why he could say, man, I'm full. I'm good. They gave up resources. And watch this. This, this jumped out to me about midnight last night, Brother Deacons. The associate minister, Epaphroditus, came to the aid of the pastor while he was on the mission field. Now, in order for that to happen, there had to be a long line of preachers that could say, Epaphroditus, you take the offering and go meet pastor over in Thessalonica. We got the work of the ministry. Can I say some more? Epaphroditus carried the gospel and the gift. He carried the report and the resources. And he brought to them the love and respect that the church had for their brother Paul. Again, I see a picture of their anatomy here. As a living organism, not only did they have love in their DNA, missions in their DNA, humility in their DNA, but they had serving in their DNA. Can I park the car and argue right there? A church that doesn't have love in her DNA is a mean and nasty place. You ever been in a church like that? You can tell they don't nobody love each other. A church that don't have missions in her DNA is a church that ain't reaching nobody in the community. A church that don't have humility in her DNA is a church that's jockeying for the microphone. And a church that don't have service in her DNA ain't trying to help nobody in their zip code. I don't want to pastor a church with no love in it. I don't want to pastor a church with no missions in it. 
church with no humility. I don't want to be a fair church with no servanthood. In fact, I don't want to even be close to a church with no love, missions, humility, or servanthood. Miss me, they can have a new pastor. How about you? Is that the kind of church you want? Not me either, daughter. According to this text, Paul said that the things which were sent from them, watch this now, and I'm almost through, was an odor. Did y'all see that? Of a sweet smell. It was a sacrifice that was acceptable and well-pleasing to God. Now that one sentence is loaded. I got to unpack it. Okay, y'all? First of all, you got to understand that when Paul uses this language, it's a reference to the Old Testament sacrificial system. Remember, we are no longer under the law, but Paul takes this reference from the sacrificial offerings that would take place in the temple and he applies it to the sacrificial offering of the children in the church at Philippi. Can I say some more? He was saying, he said, it was like a sweet smell and aroma. I know I'm living in the new millennial, so let me paint it for you. Ever put a steak on the grill? Season real well. Bask in a little cooking wine so y'all can say amen. Cooking wine. And you open that grill and the aroma, y'all in there now, comes out and it blesses you and you can't wait to take the delectable taste of the dining desserts. Am I in there? Paul is saying my life is like that sacrifice. But your giving is like an ablation that was poured out over my life. And when God looks at my life and your giving, it's a sweet aroma. So I look you only one. Don't get a reward for my sacrifice. But it's your giving that makes my sacrifice smell good to God. I thought you always smelled like that. Am I in there now? What a word phrase. Paul's life, your life, is just like this in the kingdom. And your giving makes it possible for us to be a sweet smelling aroma to the God of heaven and earth. Well, New Beginnings, when we give in stewardship, this is what it looks like. It's a sweet fragrance laid on the altar of God. When we give in stewardship, it helps the gospel to be proclaimed. It helps to change the lives of somebody else. It helps to reach the hurting and the dying world. Don't let the devil lie to you about your stewardship, about working in your church. And serving in your church. He'll tell you three lies. Can I give them to you? 
Number one, they don't need me. They got all them other people. They don't need me. Number two, he'll lie to you. I ain't qualified to do nothing. And number three, he'll lie to you. God don't need you. They don't need me. I ain't qualified to do nothing. And God don't need me. Let me tell you, all those are lies to keep you from experiencing the joy of your salvation. Can I turn the light on? My son Aaron is here. We're excited for Aaron. He's in a new season of life. And uh, we got some glorious news. Four schools have been pursuing him. Amen. Amen. It was Wheaton College in Chicago, Whitworth in Spokane, Washington, Tabor College in Kansas, and Azusa Pacific in Southern California. And the coaches have been calling and admissions directors and vice presidents. It's exciting, amen. I'm like, that's my boy, amen. He got a letter in the mail the other day from Azusa Pacific. And they serious about him, amen. They, they sent the acceptance letter, amen. Yeah. And you know, I'm like a dad. I'm like, hey, show me the money though, amen. Show me and then the coach called, yeah, we're committing the money. I'm like, all right, now we're talking, amen. And, and I said all that to say this, that he had not, if he had not put the work in, y'all missed the whole thing right there. The, the, the three and a half, four years of labor in the classroom, laboring with the GPA, there ain't no sweet smell aroma after graduation. All right, y'all missed it right there. He hates when I use him as uh, examples in his sermon, so I'm going to do one more and leave him alone, all right? So his basketball team has been on a championship run. And last year they won it all in the Valley. They did a great job, and the team came back together this year, and they are just doing amazing things on the basketball court, and I'm in awe. They won through the first round of playoffs. The second round and the third round is coming up on Wednesday. But if they win Wednesday, they go back to the championship. Next Saturday at Selling Arena. You should come check it out. What does that mean? With no sacrifice, there's no championship ring. Come on, talk to me, somebody. Somebody knows about having to invest in order to receive what it is you're going after. Well, I don't want to look at the church of Jesus Christ. We only after one reward. Because Jesus didn't say to us on that day, well done, my good and faithful servant. The good Gonzalez said, so on this side, we'll sacrifice so that we can hear him say, well done. And anytime I feel a little bit of that right there, that's what our life is. It's a living sacrifice. Well, if you couldn't shout there, I'm sorry. I had to email it to you. Let me give you my last point and close. The sufficient supply of the church. Paul says, but my God uh, shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ.
Christ Jesus. Now, why does he say this? He says this after he brags on their sweet-smelling sacrifice that is well-pleasing to God. But he talks about it because it's a sacrifice. And sacrifices hurt. It's not easy to give up stuff. I don't want to kid nobody. It's not going to be easy to help with this building campaign. That, that means I'm going to have to let go, Sister Nisa, of a couple cups of Starbucks. I'm going to have to let go of a steak every now and then. I'm going to have to give up some stuff in order to sacrifice what the body needs to achieve what it is that God is calling us to. And as Paul reminds them of this sacrifice, he gives them some good news. He says, but... That's the conjunction right there. My God, in your sacrificial living, my God shall supply. Somebody say all. All your need, not your want. He shall supply all your need according, Bruce, to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Listen, when you come to this verse, Bruce, Paul is confident because he believes that just as they had given to him in his distress, God would give to them in their distress. Mary, hold on to this. As you guys get ready to go into Europe and to plant this church in dangerous waters, God will supply need you might not see it up front it might not even be in the mail but God sees your sacrifice and in your sacrifice he's going to supply your every need can I turn the light on what he's saying here is that God is never never Crawford going to see his children without here is based on an unseen bounty because they rose up to help Paul's ministry and the ministry of the Philippian church. Paul declares, Reverend White, that God would supply. Uh, I know you're a word study man, so let me give it to you. The word supply means to donate, to furnish, to contribute. To give, provide, bestow, endow, impart, dispense, disperse the amount you need to cover your needs. I missed somebody, so let me roll it again. Has God ever donated to you in your time of need? Okay, for those who ain't got donated to, has God ever furnished what you need in the hour of your need? Uh, Sister Marion, won't God contribute to your needy fund? Won't God provide out of nowhere? Won't God endow you in the time of your need? Won't God impart, dispense, or disperse resources from heaven in the time of your need? Because he sees your sacrifice. 
God does this, Brother Will, I believe, son, because God keeps us wanting him and not stuff. You hear that, black brother? Look at this. God will supply all your need, not your want. If he keeps us wanting him, he supplies our needs. But when we only want our wants, he don't answer that prayer. Why? Because God is in the business of you and I wanting him more than we want stuff. <laughs> Somebody took this here to help me. According to his riches, Paul says, he gives you what you need according to his riches. Now, last time I checked, God's riches were infinite. And, and, and they come through Christ, who gives only to his followers. And his followers, he'll dispense every blessing of providence, grace, and glory as he sees fit. Can I say some more? See, there's no area in the child of God life that God don't have access to. Am I making sense here? When your cupboards ain't overflowing, God is still involved in your life. And perhaps they ain't overflowing because he wants you to trust him for your daily bread. One of our problems is when we have overflowing cabinets, we forget to even pray for the food we got. Can I talk to you right here? So God keeps us wanting him. So he can supply our needs. Now I need to clear something up here. Just in case I got a visitor here who's, you know, maybe confused. But this is not a verse that supports a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. That ain't in the Bible. So God blesses the heathen just like he blesses the Christian. But it don't say he supplies the need of the heathen. He only supplies the need of the believer. The heathen can have all the riches of the world and be the loneliest creature on planet. But the Christian can be the brokest creature on planet and have the joy. But that's salvation. Come on, talk to me. This is not a name it and claim it promise. I'm trying to help somebody here. I want you to stop going on Facebook and claiming somebody else's husband. Amen. That ain't... I want you to stay away from the car lot. Amen. Claiming something you ain't got the payment for. <laughs> I'm just talking about because it look good to the eye of the young people calling eye candy. Amen. Don't mean that God got it for you. He promised to supply all your needs, not your wants. That means if you need a place to lay your head, he'll give you a place to lay your head. Can I say some more? This is a promise in this text. Watch this now because this ties it all in. This is what we call visitors culture and context. The scripture must always be read with culture and context. This is a promise that's based on giving to God yeah. 
as a result of desiring to see the kingdom advanced on earth. I said that so for a reason. This is a promise to the child of God that desires to see the kingdom of God advanced on earth. And as a result, they are living sacrificially. Are you with me here? They give up their stuff sacrificially in hopes and in prayer that they will see the fruit of the kingdom on earth. And as a result of that, God says, if you do this, I promise to you, I'm going to supply your need. That's why I said earlier today, if you don't have it to give to him, ask him for it. And he'll give it to you. Well, I got to leave you now. And as I close, God in this text, yes, is simply returning to the giver, Brother Hayward, based on how the giver has given to God. <laughs> I like that. And he can do this because he's not a five-star giver. He's an infinite giver. Y'all catch that? And he's a giver who gives because it's his nature to give. Okay, okay. He gives because, Sister Jackson, he can't help but give. He gives because he delights in giving. He gives because he can, he will, he does, and he keeps on doing it. See, God don't need to be prompted to give because he's the source of all giving. Can I call a roll right here? In the beginning, God gave the cosmos. Light came from God. Darkness comes from God. The earth, the sea, the galaxies, every animal after his kind, every plant after his kind, every cell and every molecule after his kind, even the human race produced after his kind because God gave and he just keeps on giving. And those who give back to him, he blesses when he's already given to them. I don't understand that. But that's love. And that's the nature of our God. New beginnings. Again, we can learn from our God today. And I believe we can learn from the elements of his character. See, in order to have a five-star ministry, again, it's going to call for sacrifice. In order to have a five-star ministry, you can't be selfish. In order to have a five-star ministry, uh, Sister McBee number two, amen. We don't have to long to see God made known in the region. In order to have a five-star ministry, Sister McBee number one, we got to have a call to follow Christ and have a ministry of sacrifice. Our DNA has to have the life of Christ. Our DNA has to resemble the one who came down from glory and gave up his life. Our DNA has to be willing 
to do what God came down to do. And that saved lost souls. Are you there, New Beginnings? In a selfish culture, are you willing to go against the tide? Instead of being selfless, become sacrificial? If you are, then and only then will you be able to advance the kingdom of God on earth. As I close, if we would take on the character and the nature of God and become great givers and lovers of the Christ, then we will see the importance of his death at an old hill called Calvary. We will rally around what it took for him to redeem lost souls. We'll be more in love with the blood that was shed from the precious blood of the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. If we will rally around the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus the Christ early Sunday morning, then we will become a giving congregation that will see the fruit of the Spirit. I guarantee you here, we will be those who give sight to the blind. We will be those who give hearing to the deaf. We will be those that have gifts in the body. We will be those that give hope to the hopeless, help to the helpless, and peace to the troubled. And we will be that eternal, eternal community of believers on earth that embody the life of Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let's give God some praise. Will you bow with me for a word of prayer? Eternal God, our Father, we're so grateful today for this Philippian church and what she is still teaching us 2,000 years later. Thank you for in her DNA we see love for one another, for our Savior and for his word. In their DNA we see the call to missions to serve cities and countries outside of their own. In their DNA, we have a model of the humility of leadership. In their DNA, Lord, we see the model of service to you, to one another, and to a broken world. So I thank you today for revealing this to us in the study. And I pray now that God, we will long after these things. That as a church, we would be on one accord committed to reaching the lost with the good news of Jesus Christ, committed to loving one another, serving one another, being in community with one another. Forgive us where we have fallen off. Strengthen us to obey you in every area of our life. That's our prayer. Help us to be the five-star church with an anatomy like this. We love you for it. In Jesus' name. Would you stand with me? Oh, my beloved. Everything that we've done here.